God is good, amen? I'm glad you all made it to church today. Praise the Lord for part two. You at least listened to, to me when I said part one, you have to come back for part two, right? Amen? Glory to God. And um, Oh, you know, man, praise Jesus. <clears throat> Spent some time with the Lord this week, and he uh, has, has just been sharing so much with me, you know, through his word. You know, the primary way that you're going to hear from God is always through his word. I want to, I want to, uh, I want to reiterate this. You know, there, there is, uh, we had exposure this week to, to a lot of, uh, a lot of prophets, a lot of people prophesying a lot of things. And they were talking about, you know, the Lord says this and the Lord says that and the Lord says this and the Lord says that. Well, we already, we already know what the Lord says, right? It's right here. And I'm not saying that somebody can't speak by the anointing of the Lord or by the direction of the Lord, but I'm just going to tell you, if, if God is talking to somebody consistently in a way that they, can, that they can hear over and over and over again, like many times a day, and I'm talking about the audible voice of God, like, like you're hearing my voice right now. If they're hearing that, that's probably not God. Because God doesn't deal with people that way. He deals with people through the Spirit and through the Word. Uh, the Spirit, as it's connected to the Word and, and through the anointing that comes from the Word. Amen. And so God will speak to us. He will show us things, certainly. But it's not always in the way that I, I'm speaking to you or you'll speak to somebody else. It's most often in a much different way. Um, you know, dreams and visions are something that happen. But I would say this, that they don't happen every day. They don't happen every night. Uh, I have, well, I have dreams most every single night, but they're not always God dreams amen I, I had some uh, I had an interesting dream about the Amish the other day <laughs> I, I, I don't even remember what it was about I just remember it was interesting I think it was a conversation or something or maybe I was riding riding in a buggy or so I don't even remember but how many know that that wasn't God you know, it wasn't God showing me something, you know, but God will show us and, and, and he'll give us snippets of things occasionally. But we need to seek first and foremost the knowledge that comes from the word. Amen. Because when we when we understand this, we can understand God more fully. We can understand the spirit more fully and we can understand when God is talking to us more accurately. Amen. So if you would go ahead and open your glow worms. <laughs> Praise the Lord <laughs> to Matthew sixteen fifteen. This is where we're going to start. And we are continuing last week's message, the gospel according to yeah. dot, 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 part two. Amen. So it's not the gospel according to part two. It is the gospel according to, and really what you can fill in here is your name. The gospel according to you. Glory to God. Now, we are not preaching that you come up with your own gospel. Heaven forbid you come up with your own gospel. <clears throat> There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that have come up with their own gospel. <clears throat> But that doesn't make it the gospel of God. That doesn't make it the truth of the Lord. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Now, this scripture, I didn't start here or have this in last week's message, although I did hear it in my spirit when I was preparing for last week's message. And it just seemed right to start us off here. So we're going to go ahead and start here. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 15. And he, it's Jesus speaking, said to them, But who do you say I am? Amen? And, and what uh, Jesus was, was referring to here was, you know, he, he was saying, you know, they were talking about how uh, people were talking about Jesus, and he said, who do they say that I am? And some, some said John the Baptist, and some others said other, you know, other, other prophets and stuff like that. But Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And I love that he didn't just go into, uh, he didn't just go into telling them who he was. 
But he asked, he said, first asked, what, what is the crowd saying about me? Not because Jesus needed to know, uh, you know, he was, he was banking on, were they saying good things about me? That's not what he was saying. Yeah. Man, but he was saying, were they, what, basically what he wanted to know is, are they speaking accurately about me? Are they really getting this? Amen. And then he goes to his disciples, his disciples who are with him, the ones who have been walking with him and, and seeing the miracles and stuff like that. And saying, but who do you say that I am? Amen. <clears throat> Who do you say that I am? <clears throat> See, Jesus was pulling a point here, or bringing up a point here that is very important for us to understand. And even though this is a short scripture, it may not seem really incredibly important right off the top. There's actually quite a bit to this scripture. Who do you say that Jesus is? What do you say about the Lord? See, Jesus knew this, and back then, of course, it was very evident, but he knew this for the future as well, that people didn't always talk about the Jesus that was the Jesus. You know, some uh, there's one place in Scripture where it talks about, well, if they preach to you another Jesus, what, what, how could you preach another Jesus? Yeah. Or maybe it was Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. Praise the Lord. But another Jesus. If you're preaching another Jesus, not the one that you heard in the gospel, not the one that the Bible speaks about, but another Jesus. And what's interesting about this is that we have, we have pseudo-Christians and cults that do just that. We have denominations that do just that. People that preach a Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible. I said there's people out there preaching Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. And this is why it's important for us to understand and have an understanding of Scripture. Any, first of all, any religion that would lead you or any denomination or anything that would tell you not to spend time in this, not to be researching it for yourself, is already an error. That's your first, your first indication that what you're hearing from is not from God, but is from the devil. Because God gave us his word so that we could grow by the word, that we, would know the, that we would know him, that we would understand the things that he would want from us. Amen? This is why also Christians who separate themselves from the word and start, you know, they start hearing things in the spirit, but they're not according to the word. And they don't discern that it's not according to the word. And so they get, start getting confused. They start getting off. They start getting goofy. And why do they start doing that? Because it's not in line with the word now sometimes people go to the word and they say well listen this thing that I'm picking up or this thing that I'm getting look it's right here in the word yes but you're taking it out of context so we can take things out of context in the word as well and this is why we need to be taught the word this is why we need to be in a place where we're fed the word amen praise the Lord but the teaching that I give you for example isn't my own I didn't make it up but it came from other people who have also been anointed and proved proven out in their lives and that came from theirs that they got was not their own but it came from other people who were also anointed and it proved out in their lives and those people didn't have it on their own but you understand what I'm saying amen and, and we can draw it all the way back to the Lord himself but uh, that's exactly what we endeavor to do to be accurate according to the word amen um, you know, there's a lot of times uh, that people can get confused by those things. But the, the biggest thing that we have to understand is what we're speaking about Jesus makes every bit of, uh, 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 it, it's so important. It's the most important. This is why sometimes you'll hear me run on Christian songs and stuff like that. Because Christian songs or Christian movies that are not scriptural lead people astray. They further, uh, they further support people's uh, 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 de deceptiveness or deception. The deception that they have about God, thinking that, you know, the, you know, we've talked about it so many times, you could probably quote me saying that the Lord that gives and takes away and how that's false and, 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 you know, things like that. But people believe that stuff. Who do you 
you say that I am, Jesus said. Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now that if the disciples said, you're the God who gives and takes away, Jesus would have rebuked them. I said he would have rebuked them. Why? Because that isn't truth. That's not God's truth. Maybe that's some human's ideas of truth, but it's not truth. Amen. And so we need to know the scripture. We need to understand the scripture. We need to understand who God is. Every Christian, every believer needs to understand who God truly is. You might sit there and say, well, why is it so important that I know? I don't, you know, I just come to church here. I don't do much of anything. I just go to work and try to live my life good and stuff like that. Because you are witnesses for God to the world. Us are no matter how simple, no matter how smart, no matter how uh, how how uh, you, you know, no matter what kind. If you're the CEO of a, of a major corporation, or if you're just somebody who cleans the show, shoes of a CEO of a major corporation, it doesn't really matter what position you're in. The only thing that matters is that you know who God is, Amen. Because God has given you position in the world to share Him with them, Amen. Praise the Lord. How do we know this? We look at the Great Commission. We looked at it last week. And I find it very interesting that these, that these two scriptures are tied together in this way. Now, now, there is some understanding. We have to remember that the Bible wasn't originally written in chapter and verse. It was originally written any letter or uh, book would be written. Glory to God. But I still find it interesting nonetheless. Uh, at Mark 16, 15. You know, we were in Matthew 16, 15. Who do you say that I am? Praise the Lord. And then in Mark 16, 15, go ahead and pull that up there. It says, and we read this last week, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature or all of creation. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are to take, go into the world with this message that we have been given, this message that has saved us, and preach it to every creature. Amen? Praise God. Every Christian should know how to get to Jesus. This is an important thing. But not all Christians know how to get to Jesus. There's a lot of Christians. I've had Christians in our church, churches before come to me at different times and say, how do I get to Jesus? And I'm like, you should know how to get to Jesus. That's why we preach the word. We have to know, but see, we have to be doers of the word. We have to hear the word. We have to receive the word. When we sit in church, we have to listen to the word and embrace the word and understand that it's not just Pastor Jeff. It's, I'm not doing anything for you. You understand that, amen? Now, there is a level of, yes, I'm there, but I'm, I'm not your savior. I, I can't change your situation. Do you know there's been people that have come to me in situations and they've been mad because I can't do anything about it. But what do you want me to do about it? Yeah, I can't change your situation. You know, I actually, yeah, the revelation was, as I was preaching last night, I thought it was really good. In fact, your past, anything that's happened, you can't change it. It's already happened. So there ain't no point in dwelling on it. There ain't be any point in being fixated on it because, because it ain't going to help you to do so. Your past is your past. You can't change it. Everything that happened up to this very second cannot be changed. Amen? Glory to God. So why would you come to me expecting I could change it? I can't change it. I can't pray it out of you. I love Reverend Vanessa likes to quote me uh, once in a while. She'll send us a, a little quote, praise the Lord, uh, of, of something I said in a service years ago in Jamestown when I was ministering there was, I can't pray stupid out of you. Apparently that just, but that, you know, that, that rings true. We can't pray stupid out of people. We can't pray, pray dumb mistakes. You say, well, you call me stupid. I'm not calling you stupid. Get over yourself. Praise the Lord. We're not going to be that sensitive in this church. And if you are, you're probably not going to like me. Amen? Because I just don't, I just don't go along with that. I'm not going to be politically correct. Why? Because I don't care about being politically correct. Amen? Political, politically correct is garbage. 
Yeah, if you haven't noticed that already, it puts people in bondage, amen? It just puts people in a victim mentality where they've got to say, you know, listen, this, all, all, these, all these movements, we don't need these, we're the body of Christ. Maybe the world needs the movements. I'm not saying they don't. They want the, they want the, you know, all the different movements, all the different this and that's and all the, you know, I'm not going to say them all just because it'll make somebody mad. But, uh, you know, they want all the different things. Maybe they need those things, okay? And if they think that they need those things and make their little hearts feel better, well, then bless God, bless them. Amen? But we don't need them for Christians. We're above them. If you can't be above a fence, if you can't rise above a fence, well, then you need to have your toes stepped on a few more times, amen, until you get to the place where you just realize that it isn't going to change anything to be offended. It'll just keep you in that place. We want to move on to receiving. God has given us no reason to feel like we are victims. If you are a victim, it's because you don't know who you are in Christ, or you need to know Christ. I said you are not a victim. There is no such thing as a victim for somebody who is in Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll say this again. There is no such thing as a victim for somebody who's in Christ. Why? Because God gives them a way out of it. You might be sitting there saying, well, I don't know that because I'm not out of it. Well, if you're not out of it, it's not because of God. It's because of you. Because you haven't connected to what God has said yet. And I know this because I, I have seen it right from uh, in, in my own life. I am nobody special. I come from no special background except for my mom. She's pretty special. And we all agree. Everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. My mom is pretty special, but I don't have some kind of, you know, great background. I don't, didn't have some kind of high, high degree that I earned. I didn't have some kind of position of authority. I didn't have some kind of, you know, uh, wonderful vocabulary. I didn't have some kind of place of status or any of these things. I didn't have wealth. I didn't have, in fact, I was dirt poor. I didn't have anything, glory to God, when I came to the Lord. Praise God. So I, I had nothing to give, but I offered it myself. That was all I had. And that's all you have too. But see, if you offer God yourself, if you truly offer God yourself, He will take it and use you something of it. Amen. He will take something of your mess because God does that. He is the He is the perfecter of things. He is the perfecter of making uh, something out of the mess, which is called you. Amen. Hallelujah. And aren't you glad? Amen. Praise the Lord. If you believe it, say Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we believe it. We're in agreement, so we can move on. Hallelujah. We're going to go someplace today. Glory to God. And he said to them, go into all the world. Remember we read last week in John 3, 16 and other verses around it that Jesus came to the world. He didn't just come for you, he came for the world. He didn't just come for you, he came for the world. He didn't just come for you, he came for the world. Jesus came to the world. He came to save the world. That's why that when you got saved, you didn't just get zapped out of here. You didn't get beamed me up, scottied into, the, into heaven. He, Jesus didn't send angels and the chariots of fire to come pick you up. He left you right where you were. He said, well, Jesus, I thought you were going to make it better. He said, I did make it better. I saved you. Hallelujah. When Jesus saved you, he made it better. Amen. He, made, he opened doors to you that could never have been opened. But he kept you here for a reason. That should be eye-opening to all of us. The very fact that God saved us, right? Praise the Lord. God saved us and he left us here means that God had a purpose in us being here. I said God had a purpose in us being here. So if God's got a purpose in us being here, we might as well find out what that is. Because guess what? That purpose is where the blessing is. You know, we read Jeremiah 29, 11. I will look it at the wall, even though my wife refuses. Praise the Lord. That's just a joke, praise God. For I know the thoughts and the plans I have, I think towards you, says the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil give you a future and a hope. But they're plans that he has. The thoughts that he has. Glory to God, hallelujah. But we know that that's, that that's good. We know that that's helpful. It'll be beneficial to us, amen? 
Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Glory to God. Who we talk about, how we talk about Jesus makes all the difference in the world. And there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians that just aren't saying very good things about him. They're not saying, they're not claiming very good things. They're talking about God being the builder and the wrecking ball. They're talking about God building up and destroying. They're taking about, talking about God giving and taking away. Saying, Pastor Jeff, why do, you, why do you sit there and run on those? Because that's what the world's saying about Jesus. That's what the church is saying about Jesus. This is what a lot of people's perceptions are. But it's just plain wrong. It's not entertainment. Glory to God. It's, it, it's actually a form of ministry. And we have to understand that. Now, is it wrong? Am I saying it's wrong to listen to Christian music? You are putting words in my mouth I did not say. Amen. <clears throat> this is something I've noticed as a pastor, and this is something I share. You want me to share a secret of the pastor? Yeah. Secrets of the pastor. Dun, dun, dun. Hallelujah. Secrets of the pastor. People love to take the things the pastor says and add to them. Yeah. They do it all the time. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I have heard the words, Pastor, you said so many times I could vomit. No, that's not what I said. How do I know I wouldn't have said that? Because I would never say that thing that you're saying I said. Yeah. Amen. So don't ever say to me, Pastor, you said, because those words, even if they're correct, make me mad. <laughs> and I might throw something at you. No, I won't. Praise the Lord. Pastor, you said this or said that. That's not what I was saying. You know, or they'll say, Pastor said this. They'll say, you know, he was, he was claiming this. That's not, you're taking what I'm saying out of context. If I, some like to, sometimes if you, you don't spell out every single thing that you trying to say, people just start filling in the blanks with things they want to hear. They start filling in the blanks with things that they, they concoct in their head. They say, well, th th this must be what you're saying by that. No, if you want to know, if you're confused about something I'm saying, if you're mad about something I'm saying, listen, if you're mad about something I'm saying, there's one of a few things that is happening. Either one, you're hearing me wrong. Two, I'm speaking wrong. Or three, you're deceived. Right? Right? You're coming up with your own thing. Amen? So it's one of so, think, so if you're mad, you owe it to yourself and me if you truly love me. And I love you, praise the Lord, so you should love me back. But uh, even if you don't, if you just kind of like me, that would be a good place to start. Amen. And even if you don't really like me, but you like the church, well, let's start there at least. Amen. We'll see if we can't get you liking me. But it's one of a few things. So if you're unhappy with something I've said, just ask me. And we'll get to the bottom of this. So either I will say I was wrong, I will tell you you were wrong, or I'll tell you you're deceived. One of the two things, one of the three things, but it, it, it can only be a few things, you understand, amen? Praise the Lord. Or it could be that I'm deceived too, but that would be in, going, uh, in, in the place of being wrong, amen? Uh, what I mean, you know, well, praise God, hallelujah. And so uh, it's only one of a few things. So if something we say in the pulpit, you, you know what I found about people that get offended and leave the church? They never, ever, ever say anything to me about it. You know how I know when they stop coming to the church? When it's been a few weeks and they ain't there anymore. And then a month goes by and they're not there anymore. And then a month and a half and we've reached out to them. And they, even when we reach out to them, because we reach out to almost every single person who has ever left the church, my wife and I do personally. And a lot of times, the other was one that was with us for several years. So uh, one that we, uh, well, praise the Lord. We, we, we used, we even used, uh, or, or allowed to be used in ministry and, and stuff like that and, and, and could have done greater things. And, when they, and we did so much to help their family. And, and do you know that when they left, I, I would send them a message and say, I can help you. No response. Never even a response. Never even a bye, see ya. Yeah. Not, just, just left offended and that was it. Yeah. So praise the Lord. Is, so let me ask you something. If somebody leaves like that, is that on me or is that on them? 
That's on them, right? So if you're thinking about leaving, just, just do this. When you leave, if you don't want to be made fun of later on, if you, if you don't want to be fodder for, for, for my preaching, glory to God, then as you're leaving, say, bye-bye, see ya, I'm leaving because I don't like you anymore or whatever. I'd rather have that. I mean, that would, that would be at least be respectful. But see, people aren't respectful anymore. I've had to get phone calls from people before saying, hey, so-and-so's talking about leaving, and so I have to call them up and say, hey, listen, why are you leaving? You know, why, why, what, what's going on here? What's the problem? You know, and I've had people say all kinds of things. Well, you, 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 you said this, and I don't like this. I said, well, I said that from the beginning. You've, I've never not said that ever since you were here. I've said those same things. What do I talk about? What are some major things I talk about? Do I talk about church attendance? Yeah, absolutely I do. I absolutely do. But have I ever not? No. I've not, I just happened was sooner or later people that get offended by it get to the place where they're like, well, I, I, I just can't take listening to it anymore, so I'm going somewhere else. I talk about being faithful to God. I talk about not sinning. I talk about all the major things the Bible tells us to talk about. Hallelujah. Jesus talked about and I talk about them regularly, right? I, 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 I fail to, to get off of those topics. I talk about the plan of God and being in the plan of God and how being living in the world and living for the world, you can't find the plan of God. I talk about things like this all the time, right? So I don't understand why people all of a sudden get offended after years of being with us. Like, what? I haven't said anything different. Like, back when you were telling me, because all those same people, I'm going to tell you, every single person that's gotten offended that has been with us for a time, every single person has sat there and told me how much the preaching has helped them, how much things have changed their lives, how much this, how much that. Oh, pastor, we love you. We and all this, and we're so thankful. All this stuff. But then all of a sudden, there's a, I don't know why I'm on this. Is this good? It's all right. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But it's a, it's a place where, see, what is that? That's fickle human emotions running their lives. It's people who never decide to do the word. They're just going to go by their emotions. And so they end up leaving. They end up exiting. Praise God. And then some people, I've even had people get mad at me for not chasing them down and trying to make them come back. The person hates me. Why would I chase them down any further? You understand? See, this is the life of a Christian sometimes, but that's the life that we live. Amen? God blesses us anyways. Praise the Lord. That's all free, no charge. And I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't say this stuff to say feel, feel bad for me. Don't feel bad for me. I got a good life. Praise the Lord. Do not feel bad for me. Amen? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm trying to bring a point that really is stuff that we all deal with. And this is a place that we've all been. I've been. I've been there many times myself, that place of offense. But we have to recognize it and say that's wrong. And if you won't recognize something that's wrong and say that it's wrong and call it out and say, wait a minute, that's not right. I know it's not. I've been warned about this. See, I'm warning about stuff that some people in here could still potentially have happened to them. Don't get offended by the truth. Don't get offended by your help. One of the things that annoys us as, a, as parents is when we tell our kids something that's only going to help them and they get mad. Has anyone been a parent and been in those shoes? You say, don't do that. It's going to hurt you. And then they get mad at you and you're like, wait a minute. I'm only loving on you and you're treating me like garbage because I'm the only one that cares enough to tell you the truth. But do you know that adults sometimes never grow up? They still act that same way. And then they wonder why their kids grow up and never, never really grow up because the parents have never grown up. We have to understand that just because something hurts our feelings doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. We have to, well, praise God, hallelujah. This isn't exactly what I meant to preach it, but somebody needs this. Maybe we all do, glory to God, and maybe it's me. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say Jesus is? What do we say about Jesus? It matters what we say about Jesus. 
You know, I know one reason I'm, I, I'm speaking so much about offense and stuff like that and, and strengthening yourself. Because the things that are coming on the world, I'm just going to tell you right now, the things that are coming on the world are going to be so tough that they're going to be driving people out of churches. And what I mean by that is this. The Bible predicts the last days, which we are in, and we're starting to see this, that there's going to be a mass exodus of Christians out of the church. The Bible says that there's going to be a mass exodus. Think about this. A mass exodus of Christians that leave the faith because there will be great deception. People who are not taught the word or and or people who do not embrace the word that's taught are subject to deception and will be lost. They, they, they walk away from the faith because the things will get so hard. If you haven't felt it already as a Christian, it is, it, it is really making, there's a polarization that's happening right now. If you want to follow what's good, uh, you're going to have to reject the things of the world. The world is accepting all kinds of things that are, are evil, just plain evil. We look around all, all, all the time. We look around all the time and we see things. We see things about, we see things like this. I love this. Pride Month. And the reason I want to bring this up isn't so much of even what it represents, but, but the fact that it's called pride. Do you know pride is, is the thing that caused the devil to fall? And yet we're celebrating a whole month about pride of something. It doesn't matter what it is. Pride of something. It doesn't matter what it is. Pride is evil. We understand that pride caused the devil to fall. Pride is the thing that takes most of humans down. We're warned about pride, and now we're celebrating pride. Again, I'm not talking about what it's about. It has nothing to do with what it's about. I don't care. I think it's very interesting that the very word is thrust out there like it's a good thing. Pride. So be prideful who you are. The only thing the Bible tells us to be proud of is the fact that our names are written in the book of life. That's the only thing that you can be proud of. Like, listen, you know, you know what I love about this? Uh, the, the Bible has no, uh, it, 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 the, the Bible is, is for, God is for uh, people of every kind of orientation. And what I mean by that is this, it doesn't matter what color you are. The Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free when it comes to God. He doesn't care what your background is, doesn't care what you feel inside. None of that has anything to do with anything. Everything has, has to do with how you see God. Amen. And the truth of his word. Now we can work things out of us and we all have things to work out of us. But I'm not going to step on anyone's toes specifically with that. But it helps. How do we see the word? But we, if we don't see the truth, there's coming a time where, where many people, and it could be some of us. I'm going to believe that it's not, not us. But it could be some of us if we don't hold to the word. And I'll tell you the truth. If I, as I've been in different times where I've, I've counseled people and I've talked with people about different things, I'm like, if they, don't get over, if they can't get beyond this, how are they going to deal with the true attacks? How are they going to deal with the true things that come? Because, because the early church, you know, we talk about revival and things like that. People want, you know, these amazing miracles. I want to see arms grow out and I want to see legs grow out and blind eyes open and stuff like that. But you've got to remember something. That back in those days, even Christians, faithful Christians, who did something as simple as lie. Does anyone lie? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's all right, sister. I'm right there with you. I rose my hand. So That's right. That's right. Aaron and I are the only ones who are willing to tell the truth that we're liars. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, but, 
But listen, if you've ever lied, you understand that people in the, uh, people in the early church, when all that power was flowing, dropped dead for lying. Yeah. Ouch! Think about that the next time you tell a little white lie. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we better get on with the message. Romans, turn with me to Romans 10. Hallelujah. We're getting help here today. I promise you, we're going to get there. Amen. Romans 10, verse 8. We're going to go through verse 11. Love these scriptures. Praise the Lord. Me and my brother Mike. Hallelujah. I know, I know brother Mike has, has talked to me so many times uh, about, uh, about, you know, this is the scripture that you were read when you were saved, correct? Amen. Praise the Lord. Me too. This is what brought me in too. Glory to God. Uh, it starts here. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith which we preach. <clears throat> that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to stop there for a minute. We often use Romans 10.9 for getting people saved. You've probably heard me at the end of just about every single service use this if we're praying for salvation. I, I, I quote the scripture, and it is good for that. I'm not taking away from that. It is definitely good for getting people saved. But do you understand that this scripture is so much more? See, sometimes we'll classify scriptures in a, in, in a section of, you know, this is a good salvation scripture, which it is, okay? But we'll classify it just as that and not realize that there's more for us to feed off of. There's more for us to get out of that. It's just like we read Malachi 3.10 every week, right? We talk about Malachi 3.10 when we take up the tithes and the offerings and stuff like that. But do you know that there's much more that's much more than just a tithing scripture? There's much more to that, amen? There's a lot that that tells us about God, that scripture. The, the ones before it and the ones after it as well. Uh, praise the Lord. But this too is just that way, Amen. It's much more than just salvation. And what I mean by that is we talk about it in terms of salvation to go to heaven, to get you into heaven. The scripture is absolutely 150,000% about getting you into heaven. So don't get offended and say, well, pastor, you're changing the meaning of it. That's not what I'm doing. But I'm saying that there's more to the scripture than just that. <clears throat> salvation literally is not just getting saved but it's being saved. Being saved is being saved. What do I mean by that? Being is a continual, when you, you say being, if I'm being, if I am being a pastor, then I am continually a pastor. I'm not just, I was a pastor, I'm going to be a pastor. No, I am being a pastor. Right now I am, I'm being a man. As long as I continue to be a man, I'm going to be a man. As long as I breathe, I'm going to be a man. Amen? So I'm being a man. You understand? So being saved is not just, oh, I get saved, right. or I get to be saved, but I am being saved. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're going to get into this. Amen? Yeah. If you told somebody who was going out and maybe they were leaving your house in bad weather, I'm sure nobody has ever experienced this in this area. Or somebody has left your house in bad weather and they're leaving. And you say to them, as they go, be safe. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Be safe or be careful. Watch for deer. Right? Yeah. My mom used to say that all the time. Yeah. 
That one time she didn't say it, and I hit a couple deer. It just it was, it was odd. But, but, uh, but, but you, you don't mean that if one thing comes up on your way home, be safe from that. But if anything else happens, you can go ahead and just throw all caution to the wind and get in a car accident. No, you're saying if, if, if there's a whiteout uh, when you get down the road, be safe there. And if a deer jumps out in front of you, be safe there. And if other things are happening, you know, all of a sudden fireballs start dropping out of, out of heaven. And if a bus flops in front of you, if, if all of a sudden Sasquatch walks out in front of you as you're, you're, uh, you know, as you're driving down that dark country road in the middle of the snowstorm, maybe it'd be a Yeti in that time. I don't know because Yetis are in the snow, you know. I don't know if Bigfoot becomes Yeti. I don't know how it works, but it doesn't really matter. It, something comes in. You're like, whatever is coming, be safe. That's what, you're, that's what you're implying. Be safe all the way to your home and to a place where you're safe again. Yeah. Amen. What do you think? Like, you don't need to be safe in heaven. You don't need to be saved in heaven. But you certainly need salvation here, don't you? Salvation is something that we need to walk in. Salvation is something that we need to live. Amen. It's not just something that we, uh, that we experience when we die. Salvation is for here. Amen. Praise God. If you told so, if uh, to be confess, um, when it oh we gotta we gotta read on before this, amen. That if well no if if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you should you shall be saved, amen. To confess is literally to declare openly, okay. That's what it means to confess. So in Romans, can you, can you pull Romans 10.9 up so we can all look at it up here together? I know you got it in your Bibles, but I just want to look at it up here too. Romans 10.9, glory to God. So, so to confess, as we're, we're getting it up there, uh, to confess is to openly declare. Amen? That if you openly declare with your mouth, this is not something that you just do once. This is, this, is, this is meant, what the, the, the heart of this is. You know, I'm, I'm going to just tell you the truth. There's been many times that I've given a salvation call, and somebody has raised their hand, and then they've, and they've accepted Jesus in that moment, or they say that they have, and then they, they, they want, because they recognize that they needed to be saved, right? Or at least they were saying they did. But then they go out and they never live for God ever again. They never do anything for God. They never go to church again. Do you think that that person is truly saved? Now, the, the answer to that, you're right, is, is probably no. Now, ultimately, none of us fully have the, the right to, uh, to de decide that, right? But we can look at things and say, you know what, this is probably so. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits, if there's no fruit of it. So we have to understand that with salvation, there should be fruit that comes with it. This is not a requirement, but it is kind of. It, it's, it, it, there should be fruit in your lives, Amen. Glory to God. Now, there are people, there are real simple people, simple-minded people that, you know, that it's, they just could understand, and that was the amount that they could give. And, of course, I believe God is merciful. But if you confess, if you openly declare with your mouth, how are you going to openly declare anything if you're just keeping it bottled up inside? What do you say about Jesus? <clears throat> that if you openly declare with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> and believe, <clears throat> to believe means to persuaded of. If you believe something, you're persuaded of it. You know, there's, there's people, you know what's interesting? There, there's people that think all kinds of different, you know, there's all kinds of different conspiracy theories out there and all kinds of different stuff that you, and I, I used to be a person that loved 
to, I, oh, I still do. I like to listen to conspiracy theories. I don't necessarily believe. In fact, I don't believe almost most, most conspiracy theories, but I always think they're kind of interesting. One I used to always love was JF, the JFK assassination conspiracy theories. And if you listen to stuff, like if you watch the movie JFK that was put out a few years ago, you know, with what uh, Kevin Costner was in it, if you watch that movie, you'll be convinced, convinced of all kinds of things, the government cover, cover up and all that stuff. But what's interesting, then you find out that the, the, the man, I forgot, is Oliver Stone or whatever that did the movie. If, if I'm wrong, forgive me. <clears throat> I don't think he's going to tune in anyways. But if he does, Ali, we, for, we forgiveness if we're wrong. But, uh, you know, whoever wrote that movie, they, they purposely changed the facts to make a good movie. Have you ever watched a movie based on a, based on a true story? What do you know about a movie based on a true story? It's not true at all. They're talking about somebody's name and maybe a kind of an event, but they've manipulated it and changed it to make it good for Hollywood. And so we know that those things aren't true, so we can't watch those. In fact, one of the things, if I see based, for a, based on a true story at the beginning of a movie, the first thing that I do if I'm at home, I, I, if I'm at the theater, I wait till I get out of the theater, but if I'm at home, the first thing I do, even before finishing watching the movie, is I look up and see what was actually happened. And it almost never is the truth, and it always makes me mad. But at any rate, you know, based on a true story. And so I like those conspiracy theories, and you can be convinced of stuff. Uh, you know, people can be convincing of everything. But one of the things that we'll notice is that there's a lot of people in the know that all say a bunch of different things. And so they all, maybe they're all different conspiracy theories. But God is truth, amen? Persuaded. But these people are persuaded. You couldn't tell them anything else, amen? You know, people that believe Bigfoot exists, I mean, believe or persuaded of it, they will spend thousands of dollars chasing them. They will do all kinds of things. Now, Pastor Jeff, are you saying Bigfoot doesn't exist? I am not saying that. It is more enjoyable for me to believe that he could, so I'm just going to hold on to a little hope. I'm not persuaded of it, though. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not, I did put some Sasquatch lights on my Jeep. I did that more just for the look, amen. Uh, not because I'm really expecting to find one, but just because I, I, I enjoy the lights, amen. Like that I have a little Bigfoot toggle switch that turns them on. Amen? And I love telling people, what's that? And a permit, yes. Reverend Greer sent me an Oklahoma permit to hunt Bigfoot. So I, I've got a permit to hunt him. <clears throat> if I, me and my sheep ever get down there, we're going looking. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. But to be persuaded of, to believe in your heart, if you are persuaded in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But how many know this? If you're, if, you if you're confessing this, first of all, you're probably persuaded of it. And if you're persuaded of it, you probably really believe it. And it's going to affect the way that you live. It's going to affect the way that you do things. You're going to say things based on what you believe. Now, if you believe that God gives and takes away, that's what you're going to be persuaded of. That's what you're going to be sharing. And that's what Jesus was saying. What are they saying about me? What do you say about me? And I pose the question to you. What is the gospel according to you? What's the gospel according to Renee, according to John, according to Liz, according to Aunt Jean, according to... What's the gospel according to, to you? Praise the Lord. Now, don't go up to those people and say, what, what do you say about the gospel? So, amen? I was just starting to work my way back, but I didn't want to name you all. Glory to God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So, confess is to declare openly, and believe is to be persuaded of. These are not one-time things. And neither, it says you will be saved. Salvation in the Bible means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. So, if it's deliverance, 
It's deliverance from what you need to be delivered from. If it's pres I love preservation is maybe my favorite one in there. Why? Because preservation tells us that it's an ongoing thing. When you preserve something, you're not just keeping it for one thing. You're, 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 it, it's ongoing. So we understand that the truth of the gospel is much more than just getting saved. It is about being saved and living that salvation. Glory to God. <clears throat> the church is not living its salvation. Or I used to say this. The church not living its salvation is maybe the number one cause of the world seeking salvation. The world is not seeking salvation because a majority of the church is not living salvation. What is living salvation? Living to the promises of God. You say, well, how do I have control over that? You have control over that by what it says in Romans 10.9. That if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth and what you say about God, not what you say about your church. I'm not saying don't say anything good about your church. Say good things about your church. But tell people why your church is good. Your church isn't good because Pastor Jeff looks so good and he comes in dressed all sharp and, you know, does his hair all pretty and drives a Bigfoot Jeep. Hallelujah. That is not why, that is not why you're blessed here. You're blessed here because the word is being preached to you. The truth of the gospel is being preached to you. The, the truth of Jesus Christ is being given to you. That you have a savior and that savior wants to do things in your life. That's why this church is so good. If we stop doing this, we will instant go from hero to zero in a second. Why are we hero? Not because anything we did. Because we're doing what the gospel tells us to do. We are preaching the gospel to every creature. All you creatures are getting it preached to you this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I am a gospel-preached creature. Amen. That's how you look at yourself. I am a gospel-preached, a gospel-fed creature. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That could just change us. Maybe we could start a new thing about that. I don't know. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. God is good. Amen. But the church not living its salvation is maybe the number one cause of the world not seeking salvation. 1 Peter 1.3 says, I skipped on past my scriptures, but uh, we'll read 1 Peter 1.3 and then we'll go back. So don't lose your place in Romans. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to what? A living hope. Yeah. What is this? Preservation. Yeah. Salvation. Glory to God. Deliverance. You are, have begotten to a living hope. Not a will live in the future hope, a living hope. You are there now. A living hope, hallelujah. hallelujah. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now go back to Romans, <clears throat> verse 10, chapter 10, 10. 10, 10 wins, right? Anyone remember that? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, this whole, let me back up again. Verse 8, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we, we preach. What is Paul saying? He's saying the word of faith that we preach, and I could say the same thing because I'm preaching the same word of faith. The word of faith I preach, the word is in your mouth. It's in your mouth. It's right there. Just got to release it. You're going to flap your gums about something. You might as well flap them about the word. Amen. You might as well open your mouth about something good and have change. 
than to flap them about something that's not good and have it never change. Right? Amen. Praise the Lord. For with the heart, verse 10, where with the heart one believes unto righteousness, that means right standing with God. So in your heart you believe, your, your belief, your adherence to the truth, your adherence to the, yes, this is the truth, I'm standing on this no matter what. You know how you get there? You have something bad happen in your life. Because somebody who's never had something bad happen in their life, they, they, they don't know that they need something to hold on to. But see, when the winds start blowing, you're, like, you're looking for something to grab on to, aren't you? I remember when, you know, one time, uh, well, several times, many times, climbing a real steep bank, and you're looking for something. If you ever go down in the gorge, you know what I'm talking about. But you're climbing a real steep bank, and you're looking for something to grab onto. But you always test it because you want it to be sure. You don't want to grab onto something that's going to let loose. Yeah. But see, that's what we have to understand about the gospel. If we believe that's what it is, then we gra grab onto that, and that is our confession. That's the thing that we hold on to. But if you're not holding on to that when trials happen, then you're, you're, you're out there in the wind. You're grabbing at branches that are going to break. <clears throat> Praise Lord. How do I do that? You have something bad happens, you turn to the gospel. I, I'm not turning to anything else. I've been convinced of enough. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you say, well, how can I believe you, Pastor Jeff? How do I know? Because you're going to be stubborn, right? That's, that's what you're going to do. You're going to be stubborn. You say, how, how can I believe this? How good did you do on your own? Oh, I didn't do so good. Yeah. Right. So believe this. Well, well, how do I know that's true? Well, well where else is the answer? Yeah. Try something else. If you're not going to believe the word, go try something else. You know what happened when I didn't believe the word? I went and tried something else. And guess what happened? I came running back to the word. Because God is the only thing that's real. He's the only thing that's sure. How do I believe? You just start believing. You say, wait a minute. This is truth. This is bigger than I am. So I have to hold on to something. But see, the other thing that we can do is we can be Christians that waffle and sit there and never really grab onto the word, never grab onto the truth, never truly believe it. Do you understand? If you haven't understood yet by my sermons, but you should understand by now, that until you make a decision in your heart, nothing changes. Until you make the decision, not me, you, nothing changes in your life until you make the decision to believe the truth and to do the truth. It doesn't change otherwise. Right. It cannot change. Do you know what's funny about people, um, and, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, because many of you that I, I've, I've labored with over the years, that we've, we've come together many times, and you've asked me questions because you've been going through stuff many times. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. What have I always pointed you to, though? The Word. If you've ever noticed, if you've come to me, I've never given you a new answer. I've never, get, well, you know, I was trying this new self-help book. <laughs> you know, so I was working with somebody, working with this, uh, this young man who was a, a severe drug addict. And he was trying to get off of drugs, you know, and, and, and I've worked with several over the years. But uh, I was working with this one man, young man, and he was a severe drug addict trying to get off drugs. And uh, I kept pointing him to the word. And I told him, I sat in this office with him, and I told him the same thing I've told many of you. <clears throat> that if you give yourself to the word, you be faithful to church and give yourself to the things that are taught, your life will change. Yeah. And in a year, you will not recognize it. If you don't, you could sit here for a year and have no change, yeah. which is exactly, in a way, what happened. Uh, it was more than a year, but it, it, it happened. Amen? And there were several that, again, there's several that, that have been through this with. You might not have known all of them, but that's okay. But I remember one time, and I was just thinking about this situation yesterday, in fact. 
I remember one time that somebody that was close to this person came to me and they said uh, that, you know, because they, they, they'd been with us for a little while and then they stumbled, they fell again. And they said, we pointed them in the direction of this other, this other place to go, to get help. And I remember, you know, being a little bit perplexed by it, but like, okay. And they said, would you have a problem with that? And I said, what, what this person needs is the word. And they said, oh yeah, they teach the word. I said, so what's the difference? Because I'm teaching the word. If he's not doing it here, he's not going to do it somewhere else. And see, that's the same thing with you. If you don't do it here, you won't do it somewhere else. If you don't do the word, then you don't have the effects the word gives you. God isn't going to swoop in with a band of angels and flaming chariots and come in and just save you from your stupidity. He's going to demand that you give up your stupidity. We have to let go of the things that are not fruitful and grab onto the things that are fruitful if we want fruit. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mike blessed us with strawberries yesterday. Brought us a couple quarts of strawberries, right? Glory to God. But somebody had to go grab onto that fruit. Yeah. If somebody didn't go out there and pick those strawberries, and if Mike didn't go pick them up, there was going to be no fruit to be had. Do you, you, you realize that there's, there's tomato crops, that, at least I don't know if they still do it, but there was tomato crops down in, in, in Florida. There was this place, this farm, where they grow all these tomatoes. But the price of everything, the price of harvesting the tomatoes got to be more expensive than what they could sell them for. So you know what the farmers started doing? They plowed them under. They just plowed them down because there was no point in picking them. They couldn't make money. They were going to lose money by selling them. No, we have starving people in this world. And we have people that, do you understand? You, can you blame the farmer? Absolutely not. But there's no fruit to be had. You understand? If you want fruit, you've got to grab onto the fruit. You've got to go pick it. You know, fortunately, we had Mike in our life that was willing to go pick some strawberries for us or, or, or to know a guy who would pick them for him, and then he gave them to us, praise the Lord. But and he threw in some onions, too, that, which was nice, but praise the Lord. But yeah, Now, don't be going to Mike and saying, I want strawberries. He can tell you where his guy is, but you don't demand. I never demand it from him. He just blessed us because he wanted to be a blessing. Amen. But don't go to Mike and say, hey, you want to be a blessing to me, too? You know, we don't work that way around. Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Um, but, you know, the point is, is that somebody has to go pick the fruit. The same thing with you. If you don't choose the fruit, if you don't choose the things that produce fruit, you will not have fruit. It's that simple. You want the fruits in your life? You want peace in your life? You got to sow peace. You got to sow towards it. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Am I going on to a second, third week here? No, probably not. <clears throat> okay. But I want to finish this. Um, yeah, I went through verse 11. For the scripture says, okay, so for with the heart one believes into righteousness, that is right standing with God, yeah. and with the mouth confession is made until deliverance or salvation or preservation. With the mouth, confession, declaring what you know to be true, declaring what you believe. With the mouth, you declare what you know to be true until deliverance, yeah. preservation, salvation, mm -hmm. safety. How do we do this? We declare with our mouth the truth that we know. That's right. Amen. Amen. This is how it is for a child of God. Jesus said, well, who do you say I am? Do you say that I'm Savior? Do you say that I'm saving you still? Or are you saying a whole bunch of stuff that isn't true? I don't know if we'll ever get there. And then it says here, look at this, verse 11, for, what the, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. 
I know if what you're saying is true, Pastor Jeff, because the Bible says it. It says that whoever trusts, adheres to, fully believes in, him will never be put to shame. So you're sitting there saying, how can I trust? How can you have another option? How could you choose anything else? Here's your guaranteed pathway to God. But you have to throw it all in with him. You have to be so thrown in with God that there, nobody can tell you. Can somebody shake your faith? I'm just going to tell you right now. And I'm going to include the devil in this. Can the devil shake your faith? If he can, you don't believe enough. Your faith isn't strong enough. You need, you need to look at how do you How do you get between that place of, but I just don't believe enough. It's not a hard thing. You just declare, like the Bible says, that the word is true. You continue, when, when the devil throws the thoughts at you that, that it might end for you this time, you start declaring what you know is true. You have the good confession. You start declaring the word of God. How do you get out of the situation? You declare the word of God. You don't give in to your emotions. You declare what the truth says. Your emotions aren't truth. The only thing that's truth is the word of God. What am I convincing you of week after week after week? That the word of God is truth. And this is what you need to declare. This is what you do in this situation. This is what you do in this situation. But I'm going to tell you, all situations are real easy. It's not hard. Declare the truth. Because nobody gets put to shame. The Bible says so. Amen. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians. We're getting close because we're getting close. Amen? In one way or the other, we've got to be done with this. So it just doesn't matter. 2 Corinthians 2. In case you didn't believe all that mess, let's get into this mess. Amen? 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 through 16. Now thanks be to God who always, everyone say always. Does always mean sometimes? Does always mean occasionally? Does always mean when God feels like it? Oh, thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. See, if you're in Christ, the thing that you have to know is that's in spite of you. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to fail, fail in life. Pastor Jeff, did you just really tell me I'm going to, yeah, you're going to fail? You're going to miss the mark. Sure. But guess who didn't miss the mark? Yes. And guess who's in you? Jesus. If he's truly in you. Praise the Lord. He always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us. Now this is the important part. And this is really what we're getting to with all this. Who do you, the gospel according to you. Who do you say that Christ is? What do you say about his gospel? Listen to this. You need to know that he leads you in triumph because through us he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. We like, we have these essential oil diffusers in our house. We just like the smell. I don't know if they do anything or not, but it makes us happy to smell it. So I'm not telling you to go get one, but if you like it, do it. You know, it's not going to hurt you. Amen? Yeah. But we diffuse. We like the smell. What, you know what? I, we put this little one on our dresser. And it just, you can see it just kind of pumping up, and it just dissipates right there. But you know, in a few seconds, you can smell it in the entire room. Yeah. You can't see where it's coming from. You just smell it. It's just there. Praise the Lord. That's what fragrance does. It's just there. There's other fragrances that sometimes happen. <laughs> 
Maybe you're in Walmart and you turn the aisle and you're like, whoop, somebody's been here. Oh yeah, I know it. And that isn't good. What fragrance are you putting out? Are you, are you putting out a joyful fragrance It's drawn people in? Are you putting in a fragrance that makes people wish they went down a different aisle? Christians, think about your lives. This is what we bring to the world. He says, go preach the gospel to the world. How do you preach the gospel? I can't preach. I'll tell you how you preach. Stop stinking so much when you go out there. Smell better when you go out there. It matters what they see. See, you preach the gospel and how you live your life. If you live your life with belief, with being persuaded that Christ is working in your life, you will live your life differently. You will spend your days differently. When attack. When the trial comes, when the day just tries to rock you, you will live differently. You'll look at it differently because you'll look at the trials and you go, you know something that just isn't big as Jesus. And Jesus is on the inside of me, so it just can't, it's just not going to take me out. It just can't do it. Praise the Lord. And that fragrance, I'm going to tell you right now, that fragrance draws people to you. That fragrance draws people in to God. That fragrance makes people want to come and know who you know. Not the stinky fragrance, the good fragrance. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and the other aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Glory to God. If your life is a mess, then you are not bringing other people to Christ. If you're not bringing others, it's time to make a change and throw it all in with God. People should know your God because of your life. And if you're living a life that does not draw people closer to him, you understand there will be some people that be pushed away from it. But you need to be living a life that's drawing people to God. What is the fragrance of your life? Think about these things. Who do you say about Jesus? It's not just in the words that you speak, but the way that you live. Glory to God. Now we're in 2 Corinthians 2. Let's just real quick, we're just going to close here. Go over to 2 Corinthians 5. Praise Jesus. Verses 20 and 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though, the wor as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen, folks, the world is, they're not coming to God in droves. They're shunning him because they're going to all this, this free whatever seems to be free, whatever seems to be given to them. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we, look at this, oh my gosh, I don't think the scriptures ever hit me as hard as it just did. He made Jesus to be sin, to take our sin for us, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. The reason, that we, the reason that we don't embrace sin, the reason that we embrace truth, is because Jesus was made that sin for us so that we could be victors, so we could be triumphant, so we could be the ones who win, and we could get that glory. Then there's glory that comes with it. Righteousness, in a broad sense, is the state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And we are the fragrance to a lost and dying world. If you want 
to be fully, if you, if you want to, uh, you, you should want to be fully embraced in what God has for us to do. It's not a hard thing. It's not a hard way to live. And here's the best way, here's one of the best things about it for you personally. That's where complete freedom in your life is found. It's not found anywhere else. It's not found in, in stuff. It's not found in money. It's not found in jobs. Because when you, have the, when you have the fullness of God dwelling on the inside of you, you can be in any place, in any situation, and you can be completely and 100% full of joy and peace. Completely. No matter what's going on. I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty good place to live for me. Amen?